Hello and welcome to Talking Toon Ticks. This is one of your hosts, Tom, and I'm just recording this message to let you know that we've finally got a social media presence. We are now on the Facebook and the Twitter. On Facebook, we are at Talking Toon Ticks. That's T A L K I N T O N T I C S. And on Twitter, we are at Toon, T-O-O-N, underscore, ticks, T-I-C-S. Our Gmail account, where you can contact us to request films for us to cover, is talkintoonticks at gmail.com. Thank you very much for listening. On with the show. Hello and welcome to Talking Toon Ticks, the podcast where two cousins discuss the politics and philosophy of animated children's films, but really just use that as a springboard to just have a rambly, unqualified, silly chat together. And uh, we really use it as a bonding experience, don't we? we? Oh, yeah. We're just doing this for ourselves and we don't care if no one listens to it. Yeah. Exactly. That's that's a hundred percent what's happening here. In fact, if you're listening to it, that's not that's the opposite of what we intend. Yeah. Don't. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, today's uh, film that we're going to discuss is your choice. Yeah. I finally stopped, um, kind of pretending that uh, you're. Uh, it's your choice and actually just pushing a film that I want to watch on you. Well, that's not fair. I'm, I'm complicit in this as well. I, you know, you can, you can expect me to push back. I, you, you know, I feel, I feel like I messed up because I, I, I only accidentally picked a good one this week. <laughs> Wait, when did you, which one did you pick before? I think I picked Chicken Run. That's a great film. That was, that was good. And yeah. then I ran out of ideas. And all the others are ones we both came up with independently, I think. Mm. But you've been asking to do this one for a while. And I kept putting it off thinking, oh, what could there possibly be to talk about? And there's actually some really interesting it's things a, to yeah, talk about in a lot, this. It's a lot of Monster House. Monster yeah. House. Monster House. So I picked Monster House because I'd never seen it and because um, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Dan Harmon fan. And I knew Dan Harmon had something to do with it. And Dan Harmon is the guy who created Rick and Morty, right? Yeah. Co-creator of Rick and Morty. Before that, he did Community. Before that, he did a whole bunch of nerdy independent stuff. And, um, yeah, funny, funny guy. But, um, yeah, Monster House is... uh, The the original screenplay was co-written by Dan Harmon and Rob Schraub. Rob Schraub, great name. Yeah. Um, I believe I've seen his penis. Yes. Yes. He's um, Rob Schraub. We we know because he's he's a uh, he's a perennial guest on Dan Harmon's podcast, and they they do a lot of projects together. And he also, um, 
he 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 has a Twitter where he posts Star Wars as the answer to every question that anyone has. He just randomly follows people like like nobodies with three followers, and they'll be like, "Hey, what are you up to this afternoon?" Star Wars. Like, who's the who's your favorite horror horror villain in in all the horror movies? Star Wars. And he also made um, he made a, a fan remake of Jaws Four, starring the, his penis. the return. Yes. Yeah. Starring his penis as the shark. It was quite... I didn't quite know what to make of it. It was quite shocking. Um, What were the other characters made out of? Wasn't Michael Caine made out of an orange peel? Yes. Yeah. And then the shark fucked Michael Caine in the mouth. Yes. Yeah. So, um, this is this is a children's movie. <laughs> with, with, with there's the house and the house is a monster house. Yeah, monster house. Two thousand six, the same year that Happy Feet came out, a film that we've already covered. Yeah. And there's yeah. there's a there's some overlap there. I mean, there's some. I think technologically speaking, in terms of the pushing the um, what animation can do. The films are doing a lot of quite similar things. I'll get into mm-hmm. um, uh, in in the meat of the podcast, mm-hmm. um, but uh, yeah, um, really cool film actually. I re- I'd seen this before, but I'd forgotten it. Um, I really enjoyed watching it the second time. What what did you know about it going in? You just had the poster image in your head. Yeah, I'd seen the poster and I knew it was a Dan Harmon something something, and I I kind of wasn't that surprised by it just because what I know about the writer and the, the, the feel I got from the poster was it's kind of a throwbacky nostalgia, Stranger Things type kind of feel. It's like Stranger Things before Stranger Things, right? Yeah. It's it's yeah, it's riding off, you know, the, the, the legacy of of Goonies. Go- Goonies stand by me kind of Yeah. It, Kind of, kind of creepy Stephen Kingy. Quite adult, actually. Quite. There's some. I mean, it's quite scary. I imagine it would be scary for kids, but it's also really dark. And there's some yeah. humor, and there's, I don't know, themes that are very uh, bleak. And I actually was quite surprised that this is a PG. I'll I'll read you a thing later after we've done some meat, but. Dan Harmon agrees that it was, it's very scary. It should be a 12A, I think. Yeah. There's some... <laughs> it's a pretty disturbing movie. Yeah. Yeah, it is. There's, I'm, I'm... Particularly in its treatment of one character. <laughs> I, I, think, I think a lot of the like, more adult stuff is just sort of alluded to. Mm. So there's, there's like vague references to... You know, the babysitter has a boyfriend over, and that seems not cool. Yeah, and uh, yeah, at one point, at one point, the cops show up, and they're not helpful at all. Oh yeah, and and that sort that of too. you know, there's sort of allusion to all kinds of dark stuff going on under the surface, but the- and it's set in the suburbs, um, it's, so it's almost Lynchian in a way, like David Lynch. Oh yeah. Um, and the kind of the darkness underneath the the picket you know picket fence. There's um, like a there's, yeah. Um, I don't remember any of Blue Velvet except the like the one of the opening establishing shots is like the, the s- suburb. Sprinkler. 
Yeah. yeah, there's a sprinkler and the camera like moves down yeah. into the dirt and yeah. you just see a load of grass and insects and yeah, stuff. Yeah, it's so good. And it, I, I and feel this, like, this film even references that. Yeah, I feel the, like this is it. There is, was this amazing shot. Um, it's a wide shot. There's like a cross section of a lawn. Um, yeah, that must have been a reference to Blue Velvet. Good shout. Um, do you remember? Do you know the shot I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. So, um, in case you hadn't uh, realised, uh, Monster House is a film about a house that a monster. Um, yeah. And it's about the main character is a young boy who I think he's maybe twelve or he's just about to hit puberty. Yeah, there's constant references to how he's like not quite a man and growing and, and changing. Yeah, so he's that kind of tweeny age and there's a very creepy house opposite his in the suburbs um that uh is the 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 archetype archetypal archetype yeah archetypal. yeah typical typical archetypal 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 archetypical typical archetypal I would say typical. I would also say <laughs> archetypal, but I know that doesn't make sense. See, I said unqualified at the beginning of the podcast, but um, any of our uh, regular listeners would know that Ed is actually a linguist. Oh, yeah, no, I, several degrees. I'm a film studies uh, uh, graduate, mm. so... If you need any sentences, like, graphed out, analysed, I can tell you all about grammar and stuff. <laughs> um, other than that, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it's a, I, it's archetypal, isn't it? Archetypical. Yeah. It's a quintessential. Every, every, yeah. <laughs> run, 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 run of the mill? No, it, uh, opposite. It's your like... regular old uh, mm. scary, creepy house. Mm. And the, and it's got a, a crotchety old man inside who owns it. And the boy, uh, and anyway, the, the shot that we're talking about is when they, the boys, um, playing with a basketball and the basketball goes uh onto the lawn of the crotchety old man and whenever anyone steps foot on the lawn the old man comes out and shouts at them and it's terrifying and so there's a shot there's a wide shot that's a profile and it's got the boys on the left hand side of the screen standing in the street and it's got the big house on the right hand side of the shot and it's got this massive space of lawn in the middle but it it's just, it's like a cross section of the lawn and you can see underneath and you can see all the pipes and um mm. uh, and the kind of gravel on the dirt underneath and i just i'm i'm convinced that must be a reference to blue velvet anyway um this film is produced by um amblin which is steven spielberg's company and image uh, movers Image Movers, I think, which is Robert Zemeckis's uh, company. Uh, everybody knows Sp Steven Spielberg. Um, this film is very much a throwback to, if not films that he's made, films that he's produced, like The Goonies. Um, but, uh, but also, you know, those kind of 80s films about kids and teenagers uh, growing up in the suburbs and something supernatural or science fiction um, happening. But Robert Zemeckis is the guy who did um, uh, Back to the Future. And he's kind of legendary uh, uh, for trickery, like camera trickery. He, he did um, 
uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, which was Ooh. groundbreaking in the the ways that he made actors and actors and practical effects interact with two dimensional cartoons, and just the, the 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 tricks that they had to pull off in camera, which means like actually filming something happening rather than doing it digitally, you know, like they would nowadays. You know, like if if Roger Rabbit is holding a glass of milk, like they would really have that glass of milk like floating around, like, and they do it with trick photography or um, I don't know strings or something. Right. Um. So he's and he did Death Becomes Her, which has got some amazing visual effects, like in camera visual effects in it. Um. And where was I going with that? And so he's always been famous for like pushing technology filmmaking technology special effects particularly camera work and he's become obsessed with motion capture and he made like he got he made polar express and christmas carol and beowulf and he got really into like filming actors acting out their movements with motion capture and then having a virtual camera which can move anywhere which means that he can have these like really long single shots with no cuts that float around everywhere. And uh, that's kind of the similarity we've got with like a um, uh, Happy Feet. Happy Feet did that a lot. Ah, right, right. Yes, it did. I remember now. And interestingly, um, Zemeckis made uh, Forrest Gump. And the opening shot of this film is actually an homage to Forrest Gump because Forrest, Forrest Gump opens with the the feather falling from the sky and the camera follows mm-hmm. it and then it lands at his feet and, and in this one and the feather is like a metaphor for the history the 20th century history of the united states i i'm sh- yes and it blows through <laughs> the vietnam war and the, the feather is henry kissinger yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah the, the, the ghost just, of Bobby Kennedy. Yeah, just um, blo- blowing, <laughs> blowing through various conflicts. Blowing conf- through conflicts the wind. And... Blowing in the wind, sorry. Oh. Yeah. Zemeckis is like, he's like the boomer filmmaker. <laughs> All of his films are just, um, uh, have this very boomer uh, aesthetic and kind of values, set of values. Um Anyway, what was I saying? And in this film, like, instead of it being the opening shot, instead of it being a feather, it's like a an autumn, a fallen autumn leaf, mm-hmm. and it gets caught in a little girl's bicycle. And it's very, it's quite, I don't know, it's quite striking, because I don't think before these, this and Happy Feet, which, as I said, is the same year, they, animation hadn't really, or I, it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel like it, they hadn't pushed the boundaries of, uh, digital animation where they're, you, they're doing these really long... Basically, you can place the camera anywhere and you can have a shot mm. as long as you want it. Um, so it seems like this was a period where people were really experimenting with that mm. and paving the way for stuff like Tintin, which Spielberg did later. Right. Because you got that incredible action sequence where they're like... I think it's in somewhere in France or is it in Morocco? with the tank and they're going down the hill and oh, it's all one shot, but it's just completely not, it, it's an impossible shot. And mm. you would never be able to do it in, in live action, but you can do it in, right. in so, digital animation. Can I say at the top, like, like as technically impressive as all of this stuff is, 
um, the the animation style, the movement of the characters is absolutely terrifying. <laughs> yeah, and the, the same with Polar Express. Yeah, yeah, this is it's this horrifying. Is, this is like a like one step up uh, a thousand step ladder from Polar Express, which was at step two. Well, Polar possibly. Express was two thousand four. Mm. This is two years on. I think there are there are aspects of Polar Express which look better than this film. Right. But it's the faces. It's the dead eyes. (laughs) So, do you remember um, 2004, I believe, was also the year that Team America World Police came out. Oh, yeah. And that that film starts with the the first shot is a fake-out. Oh, my God. It's so good. Where it's like a very badly crayon-drawn background of paris yeah there's like an eiffel tower it's so and a, beautiful and a and a like a stripey vest wearing beret wearing frenchman carrying a baguette comes on and says sacre bleu yeah and it's and like it, a horrible he's, he's a puppet yeah but it's like a really crude puppet the background's really crude crayon drawing yeah yeah and then then it zooms out and the puppet is actually being manipulated by a, the, the real puppet that's going to that's going <laughs> to star in the rest of the movie and there's a a fairly impressive looking set of and ma- it's marionettes incredibly impressive it, y- yeah because it's, it, it's just this fully realized paris with all these marionette puppets like in thunderbirds mm. walking around and it's just so detailed and beautiful so and just to start <laughs> on a puppet show within a puppet show. Mm. Oh man, it's genius. So, um I thought when this movie started, that's what was gonna happen. Because <laughs> the the very first character on screen is this little girl on a tricycle yeah. going la 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 <laughs> singing at nothing, staring at nothing in particular. Right. And you can see all of her individual teeth. Yeah, and and she's got dead eyes. Yeah, and yeah. I thought, Jesus, this it, it can't possibly be this all the way through, can it? Yeah. And it was. I got used to but it. But the character design yeah. improves from the girl. I guess the yeah. little girl was a, a minor character, so they didn't. And it's clearly a, a it's got it's less of a budget than something like I don't know Tintin. Yeah. Or, yeah. Um, I think it almost it looks like. A student film, like I don't know if you watch student animations. Yeah, um, on it, YouTube, it, it looks like um, it, it looks it looks like what you still get now, just with um, someone has downloaded Blender and yeah. and imported all of the the free assets off the internet. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah. Um, yeah, really, really uncanny looking character models doing weird things. And um, it, it gets better because the more, the more established characters make a bit more sense. And, you know, once they have a voice and start talking to each other, you accept the characters. But, you know, just just seeing this one character out of context and with nothing else going on, and it's, it's really, really unsettling. <laughs> yeah. But what's, I think what's more unsettling is that it looks that way, um, and yet they're going for a kind of... I don't want to say naturalism, but... The script is really good. I I think the script is really good and Mm. and the characters really do... It really does feel like the Goonies. Or it's... The way the characters behave and talk, it doesn't feel like a typical animated film. Um, And they're a little... 
the little behavioural things, little character moments, which normally you wouldn't see in an animated film because it takes a lot... They're like unnecessary things like, I don't know, there's a moment when the, the kid gets really scared by the house and he runs into his own house across the street and he slams the door, but the door kind of opens again and he stands there and does a little face and then slams the door again. And in any other animated film, he would just slam the door once and that would be it, right? But in this one, there's this little... I think he maybe stumbles or something. There's a lot of... In this film, there's a lot of naturalistic kind of accident moments. But they can't be accidents because it's animated. Did you pick up on any of that? No, it kind not of feels really, like, but, uh, Yeah, now you mention it. That's... It feels like actors are really acting it. Um, mm. And making mistakes and like kind of tripping up. Um, and I think that's been intentionally done which is even more discombobulating because it looks so basic and horrifying. <laughs> well, I don't know. That's just something I picked up on. Um, but yeah, not not great animation. Oh yeah, I noticed that the, the main character... Do you, did you get his name? I can't, I can't remember. I can't remember his name. It's, it's been ages since I've seen this. I don't remember anything. <laughs> it's it's, it's uh, Mary, Mary Sue... DJ... DJ. His name's DJ. <laughs> That's way too cool. No one watching this can can like self insert his, with with someone that cool. His name is DJ. Anyway, um, DJ, he looked to me like a cross between uh, Winona Ryder and General Geraldine Chaplin. Do you know <laughs> Geraldine Chaplin? No. <laughs> um, she's like quite a famous. Um, he does British look like actor. Winona Ryder. He, he looks like Winona Ryder. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm going to show you a picture of Geraldine. Okay. Chaplin. Geraldine Chaplin was the like maid in the last Jurassic World movie who looks oh. after the little girl. Oh. See? Yeah. <laughs> I see that. Yeah. And Winona Ryder. <laughs> yeah, he's got that. Um, he's got very. He's got very. Uh, uh, like, uh, um, I was going to say ambidextrous. You know, you know the word I mean. Androgynous. Features. Androgynous features. He's yeah. got his eyes are a little bit wide set, so he looks like Anya Taylor Joy. Yeah, he basically he's a, a a teenage boy that looks like. Um, I'd fuck him. <laughs> <laughs> that looks like uh, famous British actresses. Um, <laughs> oh no, Winona Ryder is not British. Um, so DJ is a kid. He lives across the street, and his best friend um, is called Chowder. Mm. Do you think is that his real name? Did his parents decide on that? Yes, it says that on his birth certificate. Chowder. So this is the classic um, goofy fat friend who's mm. always getting it wrong yeah. character. I, um, I I entirely sympathise with this because I'm good friends still with a lot of people I grew up with who, like, you wouldn't choose to be friends with except that you live... Because they're fat. Yeah, because <laughs> they're, they're just fuck-ups. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and, you, and, and, and you have no choice because you live in a cul-de-sac and you're a child and you yeah. you live miles away from anything and... They are the only option. Yeah, just to clarify, we're not. It's not because they're fat. 
It's because well, they're fuck-ups. Li- it's a little bit because they're fat. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's nice. not. It's not. Um, I can cut that out if you want. Yes, we please. We don't want to be fat-shaming here. Uh, but this movie does do a lot of fat-shaming. Oh, lot. yeah. I yeah, mean, it, it yeah, really it traffics in, in fat shaming. That's, that's, that's a, yeah, it's a, it's a perennial, this kind of movie theme. Like, I'm sure the Goonies had the truffle shuffle. Truffle shuffle chunk, right? Well, this character basically is tr- chunk from the Goonies. Mm. Um, and um, so the parents are going away. DJ's parents are going away for the weekend. I can't remember where. Um, the father, uh, just right off the bat, the father's like, oh, well, because DJ uses his telescope to look at the house across the street to, and he's kind of, um, tracking and he's tracking the movements of the old man and, and, um, uh, he, he wants to, there's something weird about the house and he wants to figure it out and he's got like a spider diagram and he's got, he's been, uh, what do you call it? spying i guess <laughs> yeah and his father says uh you know not not five minutes into the film his father uh lays out the the old trope of the innocent uh young teenager uh spying on girls um Oof. and he says you know that's not what i would be using my uh, telescope for when i was young and i did a fair bit of peeping uh, uh. myself when i was your age so already we're in a PG-rated children's film, and uh, you've got reference to the, the the age-old trope. I mean, it's in and it's in Zemeckis's own um, uh, Back to the Future. You know the George McFly like uh, peeping on um, what's her name? I can't remember, but the the girl he's he's hiding in the tree. It's innocent, oh, yeah. you know. It it just shows some. Um, well, it's not. It's a it? sign of love. It's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just, I just remembered that, that, like, Back to the Future. That's, that's like, generic family friendly, and that's. Oh, the, it's a weird movie. Like, like he nearly like has sex with his mom. Yeah, it's <laughs> weird, and and like like she goes to the prom with the the bully, and he tries to like he. Mm. And he drags her out to the car. There's a sexual and like, assault scene. Yeah. yeah, and that's like that's heavy for a family-friendly block, summer yeah, blockbuster. Yeah. And then George McFly, his hero moment, uh, is punching the bad guy just like Will Smith. Yeah, here American hero Will Smith. Yeah, that was yeah. a thing that happened. Yeah, that was that was good. <laughs> It was yeah. a thing that happened. <laughs> the slap that that's, that's a correct, that's echoed a... around the world. Yeah. Um, oh. But basically, uh, the house is creepy. His uh, parents are going away for the weekend. His buddy Chunk has come over to play some basketball. And he's got a, a babysitter who's coming to look after him while their parents are away. And when I first heard the voice, I thought, oh, could this be... Natalie Portman? Is this a Natalie Portman uh, voiceover? But do you know who it was? No. You didn't look it up? Is it Marissa Tomei? No, wow, that's very specific. Is what? it... Um, <laughs> no, let me try again. Is it... Is it Kira Knightley? She looks a lot like Natalie Portman. <laughs> Did you know Kira Knightley was in, was in Attack Sally. of the Clones? Kira Knightley was... No, she, she was in 
she Phantom as she, well. Oh, was she? Oh, that's cool. Or I maybe not. Was she? I knew she was in Attack of the Clones. She was definitely in Attack of the Clones, but yeah, I can't. Yeah. I can never tell which one. She Kira, is. She's Kira, Kira Knightley. Yeah, yeah. Kira Knightley. Kira, Kira Knightley. No, it's Maggie Gyllenhaal. Gyllenhaal. Oh. Gillian Gillian Hall. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. Um, yeah. So she turns up. I th- see. Okay. So the character animation, yeah, leaves a lot to be desired. But there's some really cool stuff happening with the house and with. There's some really cool imagery, mm. and the first one that really blew me away, apart from that very cool uh, Blue Velvet reference shot that I mentioned earlier, is um, the scene when DJ goes to bed and the monster house is outside, across the street, out his window, and the shadow of the house cast by the moon um, like rises along the floor in his room Uh as the evening, as the time passes in the evening. And it's very expressionistic. It's very exaggerated. But the, the shadow of the house rises into the room until it morphs into this, like, shadow of a claw, which, like, goes to Whoa. grab him in his bed. Do you remember that? Whoa, yeah. I thought it was so cool. There's all sorts of really cool imagery in this movie, mm. like nice little visual tricks. And the way the house is made up of, um, like, boards... And the boards kind of break up and they make like a mouth mm. um, and, and a throat. Yeah. yeah it's, it's really strange that like as, really as, as it emerges later on, the house has its own like, like physiology. Yeah. And it's like it's like an actual what's like the, organism. What's the name of the, the, the little piece of... The uvula. The uvula, yeah. Yeah. And then... Uh, and it's got a, a gag reflex. Mm. It's got a tongue, which is the uh, like, like a the map carpet. thing runner. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's good. I um, uh, we just watched Encanto last night. Have you seen Encanto? I have. I liked it, but it it's so frantic. Oh, so much. Yeah, it's so. I need to rewatch it. Um, I enjoyed it. I liked it, but I could not follow what was going on because there's just so much information <laughs> being thrown at me. I just it made me feel really old. Yeah, I I, I think we're just getting old. Yeah. Or, or or music these days is terrible, and the, yeah. kids, the kids should be ashamed. <laughs> no, no, it's the children who are wrong. Yeah, it's the <laughs> children who are wrong. Um, no, but that's 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 like. The same shtick in Encanto, except it's a benevolent, friendly house. But the house is alive. Of course, the house is alive in um, Encanto. And it, yeah. and it, it's a, it's a friendly. It's like the, um, uh, the ocean in Moana is, is oh, like. Oh, that's the ocean in Moana is beautiful. Yeah, and it's Just like visually. It yeah, it's it's amazing. it's like it's its own character, and it's a it's a cheeky, mischievous kind of. Uh, yeah generally considered inanimate thing that is a magically a character suddenly and it's yeah i feel like that's a whole pixar thing Dis- disney e pixar e type kind of shtick but here yeah monster house yeah, o- yeah. opposite evil house evil house um so the first really horrifying thing that happens is that the the kids basketball goes out on the lawn and they need to go get it um and so they go onto the lawn and the crotchety old man comes out. 
And he is terrifying. He's yeah. voiced by Steve Buscemi, but he's screaming again. Another reference to a Robert Zemeckis film. What's his name? Steve Buscemi as the old man in this film is screaming and wailing just like Grendel in yeah, Beowulf. I remember Grendel. That was way terrifying. It's yeah. horrifying. Yeah. So that really reminded me of that. It's funny how they, all these things are kind of coalescing. Um, but yeah. Um, and so he, he comes out and he's screaming. Um, and then he dies. Yeah, he, he picks up DJ, which is terrifying. Yeah. If I remember correctly. He just, just he, like... He just picks him up. And says, um, get, get off my get lawn. Get off my lawn. And, and then stuff. he has a heart attack. Or it seems like he has a heart attack. And he dies. It, it's horrendous. Yeah. It, it's, it, and it's a PG-rated film. I was really disturbed by that. And I'm 35 years old. <laughs> yeah. I think I think it gets easier to disturb the older you get just because yeah. I think I think kids can handle a lot and um, and they're used to dealing with really heavy stuff um or or at least they can and it's they're used to adapting. Yeah, and I I think I think it's something to do with learning and experiencing things and getting older that that stuff becomes scarier because we have more experience of of how yeah so painful and and dark the world can be yeah and i still i still catch myself doing like childish jokes that i would have done uh like as as like one one of the jokes i learned early on is if stump someone st- stumbles over the words or mistypes something you can you can say haha it's like they're having a stroke yeah and like that's people people will chuckle if you say that and that's that's horrible (laughs) 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 like like having grown up and like met people who've had strokes and like known known what having a stroke is like like well, and, do, do, but do you I think I know where you got that from finding that funny from where, where did I get that from I my my pop culture mind is pinpointing oh is it is it the guy from the Simpsons yes the yes guy yeah oh yeah yes. that is the first time I heard yes. that yeah that guy yeah. that is the first time I heard why do you that? talk like that because I had a stroke that is yeah. And that was my only I I still don't really know what a stroke is, but I, I that's all I yeah. knew. It was that guy it, in the Simpsons who spoke with it. It's horrendous and it can kill you and if it doesn't can leave you horribly disabled forever and like that that joke is incredibly offensive <laughs> to, to like anyone is yeah. like I, and I just I didn't know. Yeah, and it's it's this it's the same thing. I'm sure as like a rowdy teenager and stuff, I was doing all kinds of unsavory jokes about stuff I just didn't know about and wasn't qualified to talk well, about. Yeah, and I, I think they're a lot better, but I'm sh- I'm sure there are a million more blind spots. God, yeah. Like like if if it's not the same ones, it's some different ones that we haven't even considered or thought about. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well. Um... Where were we? Well, the the old guy just died. <laughs> yeah. Well, he looked like he oh. died. Um, so that's gonna that's gonna fuck with you. Yeah. 
Yeah. Then I can't remember exactly the plot, but the the kids. That's right. So the, the he gets ambulanced away, um, and the kid just feels like somehow responsible, you know. Be, yeah. And and it, it's really just dealing with that. And this reminded me of something that happened in my childhood. I was visiting a friend. I won't say who, but you actually know him. I'm sure you know him. But he's one of my childhood friends. Mm. And his dad was downstairs in the dining room. And we were upstairs playing um, computer games. And he had cap guns. He had two cap guns. And he convinced me, let's dress up as cowboys and go downstairs and shoot my dad. And and it'd be really funny. Um, And I was nervous because I'd never... I, I never wanted to misbehave in any way and I was really kind of nervous about uh, yeah I wanted to you know be a, a, a good boy or <laughs> I, you know I didn't want to do mm-hmm. anything that would upset adults um, but my friend was very persuasive um, and so we crept down the stairs as, as quietly as we could we were dressed up with cowboy hats and we had the cap guns and then on on his kind of signal we both jumped out and aimed our guns and fired and like got you and we were firing the cap guns and he jumped up and clutched his heart and he sort of shouted and it was so terrifying and I don't know if I don't know how real it was if he really was or if he was kind of playing it up but it seemed very possible that he might have a heart attack and it's never like left me the idea that what if we'd have, if he'd have had a heart attack and died, and we were two like ten-year-old boys who'd been responsible for that? How that how would that have shaped our lives? Mm. Um, there's a good movie in there, I think. Yeah, <laughs> like a horror there, movie. There is an absolutely heartbreaking, beautiful article in the Guardian. I saw it on Twitter because someone. So the Guardian have this this feature called um, experience, uh-huh. and they get just a member of the public to write in with some wacky thing they've done. And the post on Twitter was, "Look at these experience columns. One of them seems a little out of sorts and not like the others. Can you tell which one it is?" <laughs> and the collection they got together was like, um, "I let a baby bird nest in my hair for eighty days," or like. <laughs> Um, I, I survived a shipwreck or like I, I, uh, walked the entire length of the M25 around in a circle or something. And then the last one was, I killed my childhood friend with a javelin on sports day. <laughs> oh my God. It's, and it's heartbreaking. Oh my it, God. And they, they just walk through the basics of it. Yeah, no, it's exactly what it sounds like. It was sports day through a javelin. Friend wasn't looking. Killed my friend. Um, <sighs> and yeah, and, and she just goes through the, the, all of the, the background of like exactly how it just ruined her life. And it's, well, no, she seems to have done okay, but it's, like, shaped everything she's done for herself and all of her choices. Like, she Jesus, just feels that, like... That's horrifying. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, it happens. And people feel bad when it happens. Um, but you know, Yeah. No, I'll tell you, man. 
Yeah. Um. <laughs> so it's a monster house. It's a movie. It's a movie about a house that is a monster house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I just want to, because I'm quite aware we've only got about 25 minutes left. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so the kids uh, got the babysitter staying over. Her boyfriend comes over. Her boyfriend looks like Alice Cooper. Yeah, he's a piece of shit. <laughs> he, he, he looks a million years old. But is this... I wanted to know, I wanted to talk about... Because I'm quite interested in the idea that children's movies, films that are made for children now, are made, mostly made by men... Let's be honest, men in their like mid to late forties, <laughs> right? And so they're referencing things from their childhoods and and kind of um, uh, tropes and and values and so on. Um, and I know that this film is a throwback. It's intentionally a throwback kind of nostalgia. It's not really where when is it set? Because it could be the eighties, yeah. could be the seventies. Could maybe be the '90s, but it, it but it's like very much an homage to like '80s kind of um, uh, Spielbergian, yeah, like yeah, Am whole. Amblin movies. Um, but yeah, but I, I, it, this is a like one of the seventy. This feels like a '70s or '80s trope, like the the babysitter, the female babysitter who has the boy the male boyfriend who's the bad guy bad kid with the mm. tattoos uh Nelson Muntz is like that character in my favorite Simpsons episode when I completely fell in love with the girl next door with Bart Simpson do you remember that new kid on the block oh it's Jimbo yeah yeah Jimbo, Jimbo. sorry not Nelson Muntz yeah, Jimbo and, Jones and he's all like I'm gonna take off my shirt yeah 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 yeah, yeah. like creepy lechy older kid yeah, yeah. and but I was this film came out in 2006 I mean obviously that character that's it's a stock character right yeah yeah I'm sure it still exists now but it 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 feels like a stock character specifically from the 70s and 80s. Mm. Maybe I'm wrong, but like... I, th I think it's more of a perennial thing. I th people people worry about their young daughters going off with an older man. With tattoos. Yeah, with, yeah, and he's in a band and smokes. Don't date a musician. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh. But th this guy's like into rock, which... That character, I feel now wouldn't he wouldn't be into rock. What would he be into? He'd be into rap, I guess. He'd be into he'd be into EDM. He would be into EDM. He, he'd yeah, want to go yeah. to the club and take a load of ecstasy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but this guy is like definitely like you know a punk or like rock and roll roadie type. Mm. Um, yeah, looks like uh, Alice Cooper. Um, so and yeah and of course he has no respect for women which she very clearly uh yeah because she says bones you have no respect for women <laughs> <laughs> yeah um that's a good way of example yeah i get yeah um, do you do you have respect for women i like to think i do i yeah what yes <laughs> 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 I'm, just, I'm just thinking we've only got 25 minutes left and that's a real like yeah of course what <laughs> what, 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 what makes well um what, well, well i don't i is think there anything about um the way 
the what you know about me that would make you think otherwise. No, I just, I just, <laughs> I, I just thought it would be funny. No, but I think I. This is an interesting conversation. Why I think it's a whole other podcast, but like, I do think I'm, I'm a product of, I'm a male, uh, I'm a straight male product of the culture that we've grown up in, yeah. which is. Yeah. pretty fucked up and there are things that i've learned or picked up on and, and reenacted and that thinking that's the way you're supposed to behave and then later realize that that's that's not okay i don't think i've done anything um awful um but i think there have definitely been times when i've um misbehaved yeah and, or disappointed the other and disappointed myself in retrospect absolutely same and yeah no 100 percent the same like um, um just um, like talking like what i mean like being persistence like being persistent with um like sexually and like um prioritizing my own uh desire yeah. um over the other the way the other person is feeling but it's, i feel like i've um recognized those instances when i have done that and apologized for them in a um, in the right way, I hope. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can, but do your best, I think. And yeah, it's it's the same. It's so it's so hard being being a straight man <laughs> in, in, in the world today. It's like we're the most persecuted yeah. minority. Really. <laughs> um, yeah. No, no, we, no. We're no, no, being forced to apologise for things that we shouldn't have to. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, no, seriously, yeah. No, um, I'm sure... Do you I've... respect women, Ed? Yeah, I, most of them. Some of them I don't. The ones, <laughs> the, the ones that have earned my disrespect. Yeah. Um, <laughs> By... You're gonna need examples. <laughs> Margaret Thatcher. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't respect Margaret Thatcher. Yeah. Fair enough. I don't. Uh, do you want? Do you want a list? Yep. Um. Uh. Liz Truss. Liz don't, Truss. Don't like her. Is she the the tech one? No, no. She's Which the one's um. Liz uh. She, she's she's the one who. She conservative MP. Yeah, she's the one who nearly started a nuclear war a couple of weeks ago. Oh <laughs> shit. <laughs> That shows how ignorant I am. Sorry, listeners. <laughs> I don't do the news all the time. Yes, yeah, it's all right. Nothing's happening really in the world at the moment. So it doesn't matter. What? <laughs> <laughs> no, you're thinking, um, yeah, I think you're thinking of Elizabeth Holmes. Elizabeth Holmes, right. Yeah. yeah okay, fair Who, mistake. She's the one who's Amanda Seyfried. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Have you seen that? No, I haven't. I really want to. It looks though. good, though. It looks it? good. We've yeah. got about 20 minutes before you have okay. to leave to pick up your wife. Uh, she doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, but, do you want to do my quiz then? Oh, man, but I've got things I want to talk about. Yeah, go on. Okay, real quick. Um, the quiz uh, The quiz this week is called, What's That Coming Over the Hill? Is it a monster? Is it a monster? Great. Okay. Um, and I want you to name the following monster things. All right. The okay. answer. The answers all have monster in them. Okay. Cool. Okay. Real, speed round. A 1962 novelty single by Bobby Boris Pickett and the Crypt Keepers. The Monster Mash. Correct. A sugary caffeinated drink accounting for over a third of the global energy drink market. Monster. Yes. Correct. Um, <laughs> a perennial and typically pickled onion flavored puffed corn snack. 
Monster Munch. Correct. A 2001 Pixar film starring John Goodman and Billy Crystal. Oh, Monsters, Inc. Yes, correct. A 2001 drama f- for which Halle Berry won the Oscar for Best Actress. Oh, Monsters Ball. Correct. Um, <laughs> the, 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 uh, the, which features a sex scene in it that um, I made you and your brother watch with me and it was extremely uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. Extremely. Because I was all like, I'm into indie art house films and I've just rented this indie art house drama but we were like i don't know that's 14 or something that's one of the bleakest films i've ever seen <laughs> it's so it's it's horrendous it's got, it's got um what's his name <laughs> heath ledger killing himself in front of his dad yeah oh my god but there's an extended sex scene with billy bob thornton and halle berry it's about 10 minutes of 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 fumbling around and everything and I made you guys watch that because I had like my art art film thing going on, and I think it I traumatized you with that. Yeah, yeah. Sorry about that, dude. Um. Also, <laughs> also, also horrendously fat shaming that movie. No, well, the movie isn't. Oh, but there's yeah. a there's a there's a kid in it who's overweight, and his mum bullies him a lot. That's, yeah. That God, was that, that was troubling so to me. Yeah. Bleak. Yep. Yeah, but Bleak wins Oscars. Yep. A 2006 single for The Automatic. No idea. It's called Monster. And includes the lyrics, what's that coming over the hill? Is it a monster? Oh, is it a monster? Okay, cool. Which was the title? Correct. Of Nine out of ten. Yeah, you, you did it. We did it. <laughs> so, um... So, yeah, you've got... So, what's interesting is, um... Because the, 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 the... The babysitter's boyfriend who looks like Alice Cooper, is eaten by the house. Yeah. Um, and there's this whole... Oh, that's it, because he tries to... He's basically trying to have sex with her, and she's not into it, and she kicks him out and says, you don't respect women. Um, and then he's eaten by the house, and then when the kids tell her about it, uh, there was this line that kind of tickled me. They say to her, your boyfriend has been eaten alive. And she says... Oh, that Sherry Clawson. So, like, it's another girl who he obviously sees. So she's kind of, even though she's, like, all upset with him for, uh, you know, being a kind of toxic guy, Mm. she's still playing along with the whole, you know, uh, push and pull of of jealousy and and all that kind of... uh, And it's... Toxic bullshit. Typically blaming the woman in that situation. Blaming the woman. Yeah, Yeah, she's eaten my boyfriend alive. Yeah, yeah. Um, Uh. Gender politics. Fun for everyone. Mm. Um, But yeah, and now... I mean, this is my big kind of talking point. Because it's interesting watching this... Watching this film this time around... uh, Is just after the new popular culture detective essay... Video essay came out. Oh, yeah. Um, I mentioned him in the first episode. He's this uh, great video essayist who analyzes film and television um, uh, uh, through the lens of gender politics and particularly um, uh, with a mind to highlighting problematic behaviors in in men um, and how that's reflected back to us in culture um, and kind of... uh, uh, perpetuates uh, uh, bad behavior, and his new uh, 
his new video essay is called The Innocent Peeping Tom. Oh, um, right. And, but he did another episode called Stalking for Love, which is also really interesting, where he's basically, there are so many films that, that portray stalking behavior as romantic. Um, and, uh, yeah, often our hero is, is he's, he stalks a girl, he, he spies on her when she doesn't know he's looking, and that is kind of coded to make us go, oh, isn't that sweet? He's in love with her mm. kind of thing, when actually in real life it's very um, uh, not okay. And this new um, video just came out the other week. Uh, it's really good. I recommend it. It's called, is about the innocent peeping Tom trope, which, like I mentioned earlier, is in Back to the Future with George McFly. Um, and it, it gets ticked off nicely in this one because there's a new character arrive. Uh, the, uh, the, I can't remember her name. The girl guide selling cookies. Yeah, yeah. yeah she's yeah. like a goody two-shoes Girl Scout selling cookies to try to go to like college or no yeah go to college and our teenage boys um uh, spy on her uh, through the telescope um and i don't know this video is really interesting it's kind of um a lot of these movies particularly movies that this is referencing from the 80s uh show the peeping tom trope as like a rite of passage for young men uh it's like a sexual awakening that re that they're entitled to and it's it's perfectly innocent and they're just discovering their sexuality for the first time by looking at uh girls uh without consent and that's exactly what happens here these two young boys are like spying on her across the street and like getting you know they they have, they're really crushing on her. Yeah, yeah. And, and but they have they have this plausible deniability of like, but they're looking out for her because there's exactly, a dangerous monster. Exactly, and that's all covered in the essay as well. Right. Like, um, there there's so many films that show this behavior, which other which is like not okay, but the film logic justifies it because if they weren't spying on her without her consent, then she would have been harmed right. by a monster, mm. which is what happens in this one. And she nearly gets eaten by the house. Um, and uh, it's very much portrayed as like boys will be boys, innocent fun mm. kind of thing. Um, uh, and they're nice guys. That's the that's the kind of you know they're they're coded as nice guys so they can't mistreat women because you yeah know, they're, they're good they're, boys they're sensitive and creative and all that shit. Um, she has a great line. Uh, she says, "Are you guys mentally challenged? If you are, I'm certified to teach you baseball." Because <laughs> 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 oh. so, she's like much smarter than they are, and she's a little bit older, I think. And, yeah. Um, and she's. Yeah, but then the whole damsel in distress trope comes up. She gets, um, uh, she she gets she gets abducted by the house, right? At some point, yeah, or, or yeah, she's at least. I I remember it's it's been long enough that I don't remember the specifics, but I do remember feeling like she had a fair characterization in this. Like, yeah, she she, she is a self actualized person who does things and contributes and. You know, requires help sometimes, like they all do, and and she's and she's much she's higher um 
she's higher status than they are yeah. because she's clearly smarter than they are and um, more I th- ambitious. I think it's sort of coded she's like more middle class or like from a richer family or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, so yeah, and the, but I I um uh I really quite I found the comedy around them trying to impress her really quite yeah. sweet and quite yeah, funny. Yeah, that was fun. And how they keep just agreeing with everything she says and there's i don't know there's a moment when um the chunk character the chowder character uh says yeah god i i hate authority so much authority is and he he does an armpit fart um uh, yeah so what happens they rescue her from the house there's this incident with the house The, the house comes alive and it's horrifying and scary and they call the cops or the cops arrive um and you've got the white police chief like clearly a donut eating cop Mm. and you've got his sidekick who is an incredibly overzealous shouty he's always shouting on the loudspeaker Mm. and he's always he's ready he's got an itchy trigger finger and he's ready to arrest people and he's black and I just found that so such a kind of interesting kind of reversal of what we know to be true in real life. Um, I, th- I, th- I think it's like a conscious choice by just whoever did the character modeling to like say, look, this is this is we're not going to address the race thing. Yeah, because there's no uh, there's no other characters of color in the movie. No, I don't think so. Yeah, yeah. So, so one then- of the cops has to be. Yeah, so, uh, c- yeah, because, uh, I, I mean, maybe we're, like... This is a nice white may- suburb. In yeah, America. maybe we're being anachronistic with, you know, like, what's in the cultural zeitgeist at the moment. But yeah. I feel like even back in 2006, like, if you have the cops turn up in an all-white movie and the cops are also white, it's going to be, like, there's going to be some essays. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. I just found it quite interesting, um, you know, after watching it in 2022, mm. that this incredibly overzealous cop who's literally itching his trigger finger around teenagers y- yeah. is the black guy. <laughs> y- yeah, it's, yeah, it, it's not, it's, I don't, yeah, I don't know whether to say like it's not aged well or it's aged perfectly because, <laughs> <laughs> because like it's, it's, yeah, um. It's complex, and we're British. We don't we don't have police officers with guns so much here. So it's like, but we do also have cops who are. We do have a thing with racism, especially in in this year London, with where we live. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and it's it's all very complex. There's an advert on the TV at the moment of um, uh, recruiting for the cops. Yeah, and it's it's. Uh, it's problematic. You should check it out. Okay. Yeah, it's um, it's a elderly white woman saying, and my boy, um, I th- I think she has an adopted son. Yeah. Or or um something or or some child she knows, uh, and um, she she's just monologuing to the camera saying, look, this is my boy, and and he's black, and he wants to be a cop, and. And like everyone's so racist to him because he wants to be a cop, oh. and it's like co-opting the whole right. like, like 
making everyone feel iffy about race to try and make it seem like being a cop is a good idea. Yeah. And it's it's a very complicated advert and it makes me feel very icky. Yeah. I need to watch that. Yeah. Um one of my favorite scenes in the film, so like the house has come alive, it's very scary. Um, it abducted the girl, but they managed to save her. The cops came along, didn't believe them. So you've got this other kind of trope of something fantastical and horrifying is happening, but the adults won't believe the children. Yeah. Um, That's very Roald Dahl. It's very, yeah. it's very it as well. And um, they do this re- really cool kind of, it's Rube Goldberg, right? A Rube Goldberg machine? Yeah. Because that feels also very 80s movie as well. Because the kids make a, like a, a dummy to approach the house. I can't remember why they have to approach the house, but the, they make this dummy of a child that, that rides along the lawn to approach the house. And the dummy is made out of a, a hoover and, and all sorts oh, of other right. kitchen appliances. And it all feels very Rube Goldberg machine. Yeah, yeah, I, I see. I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah. It kind of reminded me of um. Oh, of, what was it? The Honey I Shrunk the Kids. It's right. Just sort of yeah, appropriated uh, accoutrement of of the suburbs. Yeah, just using <laughs> House, household using things. everyday objects and turn them into something fantastical is really quite fun. We've complained about the animation. Yeah. But I felt like sometimes when the house is alive, sometimes I thought the house looked great, mm. and it it kind of looked like stop motion at times. Yeah, I think yeah, the house is spectacular. The humans, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so oh yeah, they enter. That's right, they enter the house. Right, so they why are they go why are they entering the house? They're gonna try and kill it. Yes, they want to kill the house and they figure out that the way to kill the house... Oh, yeah, they figured out because they go to an arcade gamer. Oh, yeah. They played go... by John Hedder? Hedder? Oh, yeah, the guy who's Napoleon Dynamite. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. That guy. That was funny. He's he's a brilliant character. I love him. And he is he is rightly a meme as well. Oh, uh, yeah. His, but um... he's like dancing around and playing this arcade video game without mm. even looking at the screen and... He's beautiful. Such yeah. a great character. And it's, I love the It's way. also just so perfect that these like idiot suburban kids, like their hero, the person they go to with For any advice. problem, yeah. who knows everything about anything, is yeah. just this like sweaty, sweaty twenty something who works in a pizza place. The guy that's completed Donkey Kong <laughs> like for the highest score. Yeah, great scene. Really love that scene. Another like very eighties trope. Um, you know the arcade mm. games. Do, do kids play arcade games? Also, the, yeah, the, is, is, the, is the game called Thou Art Dead? Yeah, as well. <laughs> which is yeah. which is a, a brilliant or possibly unintentional reference to Dark Souls. Okay, I don't know Dark Souls. Um, you you know Elden Ring just came out. Yeah, everyone's talking about Elden Ring. Yeah. So this is this is the 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 origin of the. I'm sure you've seen the meme of when you die, the screen fades to black and it says you died. Okay, I can imagine it. I haven't seen it. Go on. It's a it's a meme. That's yeah. a thing. Anyway, that's I, I think this is a reference to that. But it's a very famous Thou vi- video dead. video games. Did you did you see devs? 
Yeah, I like devs. Yeah, the TV show. There was, yeah. a, there was a bit of there was sort of a foreshadowing joke where one of them's playing Dark Souls, and oh. and, it, and it flashes up you died when okay. they die, yeah, and then yeah. later on they die. Yeah. Spoiler. Cool. <laughs> yeah, I quite like that. Um. What? So. And then the, the guy uh, just runs away from the pizza place and then runs back in and grabs his cookies and munches them and runs away. And that's it's a meme. It's brilliant. It's such a brilliant piece of animation because it's also wonky and the character models look terrible. And this, this guy just running in, grabs something out of his hand and goes, yeah, yeah, and runs yeah, yeah. away. So they want to break in. He tells them that they have to strike it at the heart and they figure out that the heart is the like the furnace, the boiler in the oh, middle of the obviously. house. Obviously, that is the heart of a house. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Have, 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 have you not seen yeah. uh, Home you know. Alone? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the boiler, the boiler. Heart, heart of the home. The heart of the home is the boiler. Yeah. So they, uh, so they approach the house with their Rube Goldberg dummy and they somehow enter the house and they enter it through this green pipe and it's like really nightmarish. And they finally get inside the house and somehow figure out that um, the house doesn't know that they're inside it. There's this beautiful um, uh, visual uh, gimmick where the house uses the light outside um, that shines through the window. And it uses that light to search for them like a spotlight. Mm. It's such cool like visual gags in this movie. Um, and the floorboard effects opening up into this like throat and all that. So inside the house, they find out that the old man um, fought in in a war. And I thought it was really quite clever how there's a picture of him with his mates. And he's a demolitions expert. Mm. Right. And there's a picture of them with him with his mates. And it's not clear whether it's World War Two or Vietnam. Because <laughs> that would help locate in time where the fuck the, where this film is set <laughs> but I just I freeze framed it it's like yeah that could be either <laughs> a couple of a bunch, a bunch of guys wearing shirts and khakis and khakis and yeah. uh, they're in a jungle or something uh, yeah. this could be, mm. so they get to the basement of the house and they find the um the there's a a big fat like an obese woman covered in concrete in the basement of the house and it's so dark mm. this is a pg rated film and i was just like what is going on here yeah. like, it's so dark and then so it's kind of insinuated that the house is haunted by her spirit um i yeah this this bit totally lost me i got it back towards the end but i was like what's going on and i got serious like boss baby vibes out of this right whereas like the whole backstory the whole lore of this movie is bonkers and i've checked out yeah <laughs> like i i finally understood it when they like laid it all out a bit more like well i'm about to get to it but basically later, but yeah. they that's it they figure out how to make the house gag and then spit them out by poking the uvula which yeah. is just like a big bundle of stuff hanging off the ceiling. Yeah, I know. I didn't even know, quite know what they were. You know, everyone's got one of those in their house. But when they get yeah. out and then another classic 80s trope, 
kids being slimed, particularly mm. young teenage girls being slimed. Getting slimed. Yeah. yeah. Just like in um, uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Yeah. Lex in Jurassic Park. And like, and like in... Oh, man, that's given a really... Uh, I, I don't know if my brain's gone where your brain's gone, but that's a really sad flavor 90s uh what was the the tv show all all of the tv shows every every tv show in the 90s had gunge and you ended up in the gunge yeah 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 fun house that had the gunge fun house i remember watching it that at your house when you were kids you've watched get your own back yeah 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 you get to get go and fight your teachers and get your teacher in the gunge yeah yeah, yeah all, so all the kids come out gunged mm. and the old man is back in the ambulance and um, and so he's alive. Mm. He survived. It was right. like a, a okay. heart attack they, They've been assuming for the, the whole of the movie so far that this guy died and, and he, pos- too, he possessed yeah. the house. And that's why the house is a monster house because this guy has died and his ghost has possessed the house. But oh, now the guy's alive. Now I didn't they're... actually think that. But yeah, that's true. That makes sense. Yeah, you are supposed to think that he's possessed the house yeah. because of his... And now we find out the guy's alive. So why is the monster house yeah, a monster yeah, yeah, house? Yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, we've the, just discovered the the, 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 the obese lady covered yeah. in concrete in the basement. Right. It's kind of referencing the trope of, you know, this house is built on an Indian burial, burial ground. Right, right. You know... Um, Except no, house. no more white people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this, um, this and, but then, but then the old man <laughs> stops screaming like Grendel, oh. and he actually explains himself. And this is the backstory of the monster of the haunted monster house, and it's just horrifying. Yeah, he was this like really small, diminutive, like kind of scrawny man who fell in love with. Um, an obese woman who was uh, uh, like a, in the freak show of a circus. So already this is like a reference point that like, wait, so th- when is this? This is like the 20s, <laughs> like, you know, because how are children in 2006 supposed to understand that we used to put fat women in cages in circuses I and know, call them freaks? It's wild. It's fucking insane. <laughs> Right. Hey, so, so I went on a no, no. This is this is completely unrelated, but it's so worth it. Okay. Do, do, have you seen that episode of The Simpsons? It's one of the newer ones where they they meet a diving horse. No, I have not seen. They this. they 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 save a horse from the circus, and it's a diving horse. So they they make the horse go up a big ladder, and then it jumps off like a oh, hundred right. feet up yeah, in the yeah, air yeah. and lands in some water. Yeah. And I just thought, that's insane. That's the thing <laughs> The Simpsons made up. Nope, 100% real. It, it exists. Actually yeah. real thing, diving horses. Yeah. Do you know when they stopped having diving horses in the circus? Um, they didn't. They still have them. <laughs> you can still what? go and see horse diving. Oh my God, <laughs> wow. Surely that's very cool. Yes. I'm surely the horse. Yes, I'm sure it is. Surely the no, one. no. I, I, I mean, I mean, defenders will say the horse wants to. You can, t- you can tell the horse want, wants to. They're, that they're is like... diving from a, a great height. <laughs> yeah. That horse. Fucking hell. Okay, on with the on with the podcast though. So, the backstory is that this old demolitions expert 
um, probably from World War Two, but it could be a Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Who knows? From one of the many. He, he from many the many American wars. Yeah. Um, falls in love with an obese woman who's kept captive as a freak in a circus. Something that, of course, young children in 2006 will be able to relate to mm-hmm. and understand. Yeah. Yes. Um, and then um, he offers to break her out um, uh, because he's in love with her. He wants to break her out and take her to live with him. Very sweet. Very romantic. Okay, we're on. We're on side with this. Um, so they get married and go to build a house together. Yeah, in the middle of a desert. Uh, <laughs> do you remember this? It's yeah. bizarre. I guess it's supposed to it because it's very expressionistic. It's just supposed to show this is back when there was no town here, there were no suburbs here, and he went out into the desert and built a house for his wife, mm-hmm. and that's a lovely thing. But like it, 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 like it's just a barren desert, and he's building this picket fence house for her. It's so weird. That's it's sort that's sort of a trope, I guess. That's from Back to the Future as well. Like when he yeah, goes back, right. there's like a development project out in the middle it, of nowhere. Yes, yeah, exactly. That's where his house is. So he's building his house in the middle of the desert. Then these teenagers come along to the where, desert. Where from? <laughs> like it's from a house round the corner. Mm. What corner? There's no other houses here. But these teenagers come along and they're making fun of her and they're throwing eggs at her. And she's very understandably very upset by this. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't do anything to He says to her, I'm I'm gonna I'm not gonna let anything hurt you. Mm. But they're these kids who's who are clearly hurting her and he doesn't do anything about it. Yeah. The the the, the facts on the ground of the film and the messaging of the film is like at odds with each other at this point. Cuz cuz yeah. it's like the film portrays the woman's reaction as unreasonable. Yeah, and she <laughs> starts screaming at them. Hmm. Um and she's quite monstrous and this by the way, she's voiced by Kathleen Turner who was the voice of Roger Rabbit. Um and she was in Romancing the Stone, and she's this wonderful, legendary actress. Um, this has got to be a career low, like <laughs> like playing the um, more obese woman scorned role oh. in this animated movie. Um, and she's shouting at the kids, and the movie's yeah trying to portray her as being unreasonable, even though she's being egged by teenagers. Anyway. Because she's being egged by them, she trips and falls into the into the like the the groundwork, the base, what's going to be the basement of the house, and a load of um, uh, concrete falls on her, and she dies. This is a PG thirteen rated movie. That's, that's you've cr- got fat oh. shaming. You've got like you've got oh. this horrendous death of this poor oh. woman. And the movie's, like, trying to portray her as being... I guess this is where... Is this some sort of, sort of dark Rick and Morty humour coming out? Of, it's a Dan Harmon script. Know. I don't think he wrote this bit. It's so, so w- twisted. One of, one of the things that will emerge, I, I will make clear, is that he is not... He, he doesn't like this movie. Oh, really? He's, he, like, he, he and Rob Schraub, co-writer, like have all but disowned it they they despise it oh really they, rob shrub as well yeah they, rob so Shrub they, who... they wrote the first draft and pitched it and it was taken and 
I don't know, transformed by the Hollywood process into something completely different. Right. So I don't think he wrote this bit. So I wonder how much influence Robert Zemeckis had on this. Um, Maybe, yeah. yeah. Or Steven Spielberg. Well, we can't know, so let's not cast dispersions. But, but anyway... Um, so you've got this poor woman who's just died by egging and concrete. Um, <laughs> and, and then that uh, is she's the, the, the kind of spirit that haunts the house. And all this time, he's the old he's the guy that kind of takes care of her and makes sure that no uh, nasty children come on the lawn to upset her. Mm-hmm. Um, because he couldn't do it in when she was alive. Right. So he's been shouting at all the neighborhood children, get off my lawn yeah. to save, to protect them. Yeah. Because he's a good guy, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. But also to please. And I mean, essentially, this movie is about um, an old man trapped in a marriage with with, with a, a very a demanding um, uh What's the correct word for, well... Partner. Yeah, um, yeah it's a sort of blurry kind of codependent kind of thing going on. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's really unsavory. It's, I, a, I, it's really fucked up. Yeah, but it it's al- it bad also, taste. It also touches me a little bit in, in like... Uh, it's it's a little bit about this, this guy being lonely like he's yeah. he's trapped in this house basically alone like his partner is dead even i mean if you count the house as a character i don't know sort of but but yeah he feels trapped and he can't he can't have friends or talk to anyone and it's a you know it feels like it's vaguely alluding to a real social problem where this does happen to older people yeah yeah like like loneliness among older people is like a real thing that really happens and like the 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 message of the, like the, the happy ending of the movie a little bit is that the guy makes friends with some kids and you know gets to know his neighbors yeah and that's kind of again it's kind, kind of, of like, sweet yeah yeah it's like a real life thing that could happen you know maybe maybe if we yeah. all talk to but all he the but he makes those friends um by murdering, uh, his, murdering wife. his wife with dynamite <laughs> Because he's a demolitions expert. Yeah, that's right. When you plant a stick of dynamite early in the film, you can bet mm. that's going to be paid off. It's that's, um, Chekhov's dynamite. Che- Chekhov's dynamite. <laughs> so, so basically, there's this whole scene where the, 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 the house actually uproots and starts chasing the kids around the town. And it's really horrifying. And then it really looks like stop motion to me. Like, mm. It's like walking around. Um and there's this moment that the old man has with the house um, where he gets her to calm down because this is his wife, Constance. That's her name. Played by um, <laughs> Kathleen Turner, Turner yeah, right. career low. Oh. Um, and yeah. um, voice of uh, Jessica Rabbit. And, um, and uh, he, uh, he speaks with her. He tries to let her see reason and and he says we've both known that this day has come has been coming for a long time and he shows her compassion but only to hide the fact that he's concealing dynamite which he's just lit to blow her up <sighs> um and then i think that fails no no he uh, no he drops the dynamite and then the kids arrive in a digger and Chowder is ro- driving the digger, or is it demo- it's a demolition ball. 
It's a demolition ball. Right. And oh. that is also kind of Spielberg nicked that. And that's the finale of the Tintin movie. Because oh, you know yeah. that there's a fight with two giant cranes. demolition cranes. Right, right, yeah. So Chowder comes along with a demolition ball, like digger. Or maybe it's just a digger. Um, and he's he shouts at her, You ain't nothing. You're just a shack. You're an outhouse. <laughs> this is a, 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 a very wronged woman <laughs> who's now being betrayed and like attempted to be blown up by her partner. Yeah. And they're just... Now it's just like, no, we've got to kill the monster. Yeah, it's just... It's, it's so horrible. <laughs> they, they, if they had considered for a moment the option of just sitting down and talking with the house. Well, that's it. But he does do the moment when he sits down and talks to the house and he shows her compassion whilst secretly lighting oh. a stick of dynamite. Yeah. Because that's the only way you can reason with these people. That's the only way you yeah. can reason the... with a woman scorned. Mm. Yeah. They're just... They're Great just lessons fun... to be teaching children oh, in a yeah, PG-13 it's, movie. It's not okay. <laughs> Oh, it's an all right. And to think that I never, I thought that we wouldn't have anything to talk about in this episode. Oh, it's, yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, do you want to know a um, uh, fun fact? Fact. The guy, even though this movie is like dealing in a lot of Americana um, and American tropes, is very like American suburbs, and it's dealing with Amer American cinema history, um, it's actually written and, uh, no, it's, it's directed by uh, a British. Uh, 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 director of animation who went on to write the new Ghostbusters movie oh, Ghostbusters yeah. Afterlife what's the guy's name again? Um, uh, Gil Kennan Gil Kennan Kennan Gil Kennan Kennan Gil Gil oh Gil or Jill I didn't know I don't know but he wrote Ghostbusters Afterlife which I quite enjoyed even though they resurrected uh is it Harold Ramis? Oh, yeah. Oh, I haven't seen it. I don't have thoughts, really. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's fine. Um. Um, can I read you at this point... Um, um, yeah, the, the, the letter that Dan Harmon wrote disowning this movie. Yeah, I, perfect. What a perfect <laughs> way to finish the podcast. Um, yeah, do it. Okay, let me bring this up. Uh, there's a little background to this, and I will read for you the whole thing. Um, so, one of Dan Harmon's friends' acquaintances, um, uh, a, a young mom, took her kids to see Monster House. Mm -hmm. um, and she wrote this letter to him. Dear Dan, Salinger has watched Monster House twice now. Both times, she has been plagued by nightmares for at least a week following the viewings. She only watched it the second time because she was struck by the fact that four-year-old Henry was completely unfazed by it and figured it couldn't have been so scary. I asked him, I, I, I asked her, what is the part that scares you so badly? She said, that the woman is so evil that even after she's dead and none of the kids care about teasing her anymore, she turns into a house and chases them. She's too crazy. That's pure evil. I asked her, is it the animation that's creepy? She said, no, it's scary that someone is so mean that they could come back from the dead, become something that should not be alive, and then try to kill people. 
and four-year-old Henry said, I think it's awesome. It's been three nights of her waking up crying, and I totally blame you. You should come over and rationalise the entire thing to her. Or maybe you could write her a note because she doesn't believe I know the creator of her nightmares. Kelly. This is... So That's the, fucking so, big. Yeah, so this, yeah. this woman has two children. The little, a tiny boy thinks the movie's great and the older daughter like is terrified. Yeah. Dan Harmon wrote back directly to um, the, the daughter. Dear Salinger, your mom told me about Monster House scaring you. It sounds like one of the things that upset you is the fact that the house kept wanting to hurt people even after nobody wanted to hurt it anymore. I will tell you a secret that sounds so silly you might not believe it, but this is true. I never finished writing Monster House before my bosses turned it into a movie, and then different writers, people I don't even know, changed the story in lots of ways, and the movie that you saw was not the story I wanted to tell you. I think a good story, even if it's sad or scary while you're watching it, should always make you a little less scared after you've seen it, because even a scary story if it's a good scary story, takes us into strange dark places that don't make sense at first and helps us see that they do make sense and are therefore not so scary. That didn't happen in Monster House. The kids go inside the house and everything's scary in there, but nothing starts making more sense. I don't know about you, but when I go inside a giant scary monster, I expect to be rewarded for my bravery. There should always be something inside a monster that helps you understand it and makes you less scared of it and able to make the monster go away, not just a bunch of stuff that makes you more confused and scared. Why, after they escaped the house, did that old man tell them another scary story about a mean fat lady that didn't make very much sense either? I'll tell you why, because Gil Keenan is a hack and Steven Spielberg is a moron. But hey, I shouldn't be dumping this stuff on you. Let's just say, Salinger, that I have a lot of questions about that movie too. And because I saw them making it, I know it's not real, so it doesn't scare me. But it makes me mad that it scared you, because I tried to tell them that they were making a bad movie that was going to confuse and frighten smart children instead of making children more brave, and they acted like I was stupid for being afraid that would happen. I guess you and I are just smarter than other people. And I guess part of being smart is being scared of things that don't scare other people. Henry's a little younger than us, and he just thinks the movie looks cool, which it does. And we won't take that away from him. But you and I are looking at the movie through smart, sensitive, older eyes, and we can see how confusing it is. The good news is, although our smart, sensitive, older eyes will probably always see more reasons to be afraid than other people's eyes, we also have smart, sensitive, older brains that can make sense of scary things and make them less scary, not only for us, but for everyone else. Who knows what kind of amazing things you'll be doing as you live your life. Maybe you will tell stories or paint pictures or sing songs or climb mountains or clean streets or study insects or rescue elephants. But we know one thing for sure, you're going to be very special while you're doing it and you're going to remove a lot of fear from other people's lives because you're smart enough to see it which means you're smart enough to conquer it. I hope one day I can finish writing a movie that they don't change so much. And if you see it, I hope it makes you happy. Until then, I heard that Wally is very good. You should go see that. <laughs> <laughs> and next time Monster House is on, just remember the guy that wrote it told you it was dumb. 
That's beautiful. <laughs> that's, that's, that's brilliant. I love that. I, I, insta- I have so much respect for him now. I, I've, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I've, I've never, I've never really massively gotten into Rick and Morty, which is what he's most famous for. Mm, mm. Um, I really like him now. That's, that's, that's great. It's a lovely letter. It's so yeah. kind and like human. And he also apologized later on in like on the record in press for calling Steven Spielberg stupid. Oh. He he yeah, he corrected himself and said he overspoke, but he hasn't correct he hasn't said anything about Gil, oh, great. Gil Keenan. Well, this guy Gil Keenan or Kenan um is a hack. Is a hack. So he's the guy that fucked up the script. <laughs> Maybe it's because he's British. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow, that's really that's a lovely letter. It's beautiful. That's really beautiful. Oh, I think that's the perfect way to end this one. That was lo- yeah. No, that was lovely. I'm, I'm very happy I found that. <laughs> I'm really happy for that. That's great. Well, um, I really enjoyed watching this film and uh, uh, analyzing and problematizing it and talking to you about it. Yeah. No, I I enjoyed it. I enjoyed this too. This was fun. Yeah. Um. um Let's yeah. uh, let's figure out what we want to do next. Um, you, we've got a couple on the old shortlist. Oh yeah, What's we've got a, we've got a, we've got our <gasps> Iron Giant is on the shortlist. I think we should do the Iron Giant. Uh, we've got Lilo and Stitch is on the old nice. shortlist as well. That's nice. good. Cool. Can we do the Iron Giant next? Yeah. All right. Great. Okay. Well, thank nice. you so much for listening. We really do. Even though we are just doing this for ourselves, we do actually appreciate that people <laughs> no, we do, do yeah. tune in. I'm, cu- I'm kidding. There I'm are kidding. about five of you, um, so thank you. Um, <laughs> thanks yeah. for giving us the time. And if you got thoughts, email or write in at... Probably, no. I, I don't have to say it. Uh, well, you, do you we, probably know it. Is there an email? No, there's not. No, there, oh, just, yes, just, right, just email of course, me we're directly. just relying on the yeah. people that or listen like to this and, know us like, personally. <laughs> like and subscribe. <laughs> Yeah, um. we, we, you can't find us anywhere. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, we'll figure out some socials so that you can contact us. But yeah, you all know us personally anyway. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, thanks very much. Uh, lots of love. Yeah. Bye. 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 We are now on the Facebook and the Twitter. T A L K I N. T O N T I C S. We are now on the Facebook and the Twitter. T A L K I N T O N T I C S. We are now on the Facebook and the Twitter. T A L K I N T O N T I C S. Talkin' Toontics at gmail.com <laughs>